custom car care. All right, good morning and welcome, Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, how's the world treating you? It's good. I'm going to be on a plane here in just a few hours. I'm so excited. I know. I'm really excited. Yep, so we're going to have the 2023 KSGF Great Escape. So I should know this, and I'm pretty sure you told me a few times, but you know... Uh, where Where is the Great Escape this year? It is in Mexico. So oh, for yeah. those of you who are looking at a map, it is kind of an hour and a half south of Cancun. Oh, yeah. Uh, kind of close to Tulum. Okay. Yeah, we are in the Playa del Carmen. I think that's how you say that. Well done. So it's a I very... I any difference. It sounded right. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in that region. Uh, Porte... That's where mm-hmm. we're at. Officially mm-hmm. the town of it. So we're very excited. We've got... Tons of photos up if you guys want to take a look at the resort that we're staying at. We are going to be broadcasting live down there, and we have a couple of fill-in guests. Thankfully, Kyle decided that he was going to step up and fill in for us awesome. on Friday. Excellent. And then on Monday, James Clary will be filling in. So, Those guys do such a yep, good job. We are in good hands over mm-hmm. here at the station. Absolutely. So as somebody that has never gone on The Great Escape, what would you say is probably the biggest draw or, you know, what makes that Great Escape special? few items that really do kind of set it aside from everything else. Mm-hmm. One, of course, the, you get the, the group discounts, the group rates yep. of items. Two, it's like everything is all inclusive. So you're tipping and your airfare and uh, your ride from the airport to the hotel, everything at the at the hotel is for free. And it is just absolutely amazing. And then, of course, there's the company as well. Mm-hmm. You're kind of in that same mindset yep. with 80 other people. So I love like-minded yeah, people. Yeah, so it's a really nice atmosphere to be in. But it's just, I think it's just the pricing and the beautiful locations. Mm-hmm. So you can't beat it. So do you see people kind of stick together quite often that, you know, as you guys go as a group for The Great Escape, um, lots of like-minded people, obviously, probably get to know some new people, mm-hmm. get to hang out with some new people. Yep. So I think it was last week we actually had a document party. We host these every couple of weeks before the Great Escape where people can ask questions. Mm. They can get their itinerary, just kind of an idea of what is going to happen on the Great Escape. Mm-hmm. And we always ask how many people have never traveled with us before. And I'm telling you, it was probably half of the room oh, wow. that okay. raised their hands. A lot of people say, you know, every year we hear you guys on air and we could hear, you know, the the breeze and mm-hmm. the water and it just sounds just tropical and amazing yeah. over air. So they want to join us. But typically whenever we are at the resort, it's really funny because whenever we leave, we will see people that we're like, are they really, uh, were they with us? <laughs> were they mm-hmm. on the trip with us? Because they go off and do their own thing. But sure. then there are other groups that, you know, kind of stick together mm-hmm. and uh, kind of do their own thing. So it's kind of a mishmash of, of people and uh, activities. Well, I hope to get to accompany uh, a you guys at some point to these events. It's been going on several years now mm-hmm. and probably hopefully no uh, end in sight in the near future. I am curious, if you don't mind, while you're down there, to see or kind of get a feel for the car scene of whatever they're doing. A lot of the older vehicles and older equipment here in the States 
end up being uh, imported into Mexico. Okay. I think there's, uh, I don't know whether it's 10 or 20 years, but there's kind of this magic number that I obviously didn't research before the show. <laughs> but there's a, I see a lot of cars being imported. And, and like I said, equipment, there's companies that I've dealt with in the past that travel the country buying older uh, agriculture and construction equipment. Mm. And they take them down to Mexico and and make do with them. I've got a, a good friend of mine. He's a shop owner locally here who has done some mission work down in Mexico. And part of his, obviously, he's mechanic by trade. And he tells stories that, you know, in certain parts of Mexico, there's not a uh, parts store. So if you have an older car, regardless of what the maker model is, and say the alternator goes out and you can't repair what you have, he would go and they would have like this community, I don't want to say junkyard, but you might, you know, fabricate an alternator off of a Chevy to put on a Hyundai or something like mm. that. And so that was part of what he did while obviously he was doing ministry work down there. He, you know, deployed his skill set and uh, would, you know, fabricable these vehicles together and get people back up into their transportation, which I thought was really it's neat. It's neat, yeah. That, you know, it's a lot different from the way we do things here. Obviously, my standards of <clears throat> how I repair a car and, and A1 Custom Car Care in general, we're very by the book. I want this part. I want it from this manufacturer. This is what I know is going to work, yada, yada, yada. And so to be able to go down there and kind of have to MacGyver it, I find very interesting and, you know, not that I don't have the ability to do that. I do. But to have to do that, like you don't have any choice. It's not like you get to just go down to the local big box parts store and, and do your thing. It would be quite a different event, you know, as well as I've been to a lot of schools where people come from third world countries or have taught in third world countries. And they talk about the labor being so much cheaper than parts. You know, they'll have people rebuilding ball joints and stuff, which is something we discard and throw away, but they'll grind them apart and, you know, fabricate them all back together and then weld it all back up and put it back on, which is not something we normally do or I've ever done here in the States. I just order up a new one and go on about our day because time for us is so much more of a commodity, I guess, than just the parts itself. It wouldn't make any sense to build a bunch of hours rebuilding a part that's 20 bucks, you know. It's just one of those things uh, here in the States. But if you take a notion or you get to, I'm sure your vehicles from the airport to the the resort will probably be new late model buses or something like that. Yes. Um, but some of the older stuff or some of the, the native stuff, if you will, I think would be pretty neat. We do have a drive mm -hmm. from the airport to our resort. So I'll have to keep my eye open, yeah. take some photos, and awesome. we'll share them on the on the next podcast. I, I have a someday, you know, I've obviously spent most of my life here in the Midwest and we've traveled a little bit, but I've never been out of the country for an event like that or anything. I find that very, very interesting, especially with the internet and whatnot that you see goes on in other places. Sometimes it's so much different uh, in, in either, you know, poor economic countries and, and how well they overcome that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes you know, as big of a benefit as it is, it kind of makes us a little soft sometimes just being able to order up blah, 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 instead of having to fix, truly fix a problem versus just ordering a new one and, you know, discarding the old one and going on about our day. So 
One of those things. I'm super excited for you guys. How many of these have you been on, Sarah? This is going to be my third one. Yep. So COVID put a damper on one of them for me. And then um, I think that was it. Really? Yeah. It's really, really cool to be a part of a group. You know, like you say, I I can tell when they're a KSGF listener, Mm -hmm. when they come into the shop and the conversations that we have at the shop level are always awesome. I always learn a ton because, uh, and I'm not just pandering to the audience here, the KSGF listeners are so much more informed than most people. Mm -hmm. And I greatly enjoy that. So I can only imagine, is this a week-long gig? Is that how long you guys are going to be down? So you'll be able to meet and mingle and talk to a ton of just amazing people. Do you see regulars that come, you know, almost every year Uh or or they do every year? Yep. And we've made uh, friends with quite a few of them. In Uh fact, some of them were even at uh, my baby shower. So so somewhere at my wedding, too. So it is a, it really is, even though that they are our listeners, they have definitely turned friends. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've been doing this or I've been doing this with A1. You know, A1's been in business for uh, many, many years since probably the mid 80s. But I have been a part of the company since around 04, 05. And you're right. The longer you do it, you know, at some point, yes, you know, they're customers or listeners and they mm-hmm. come in. And then it kind of goes beyond that. You yeah. know, their kids or their parents or their aunts and uncles and their neighbors and all that. And you end up, you know, finding other people that are in business and industry that can help you as well. So it's not just a one-way kind of street. I like keeping things local. I'm very uh, glad to be part of a local company. We don't have a lot of like uh, corporate corporate bureaucracy. Uh, that's a big word. Don't ask me how to spell it. But, uh, you know, we have all that and we get to keep it on a local level, which I think has really made us a much stronger company. And I'm very thankful for that. But you're right. To be around the, that like-minded uh, group of folks is so awesome. Um, and, and again, I learned something. I don't get out to your Friday uh, breakfast as much as I used to, but that I always enjoyed just listening. I really didn't even go there to to talk or have a lot of, you know, insight. Obviously I did visit with quite a few people, but just to listen to the conversations that are in that room, I can only imagine the great escape being like times 10. Yes, it is absolutely a blast. I cannot wait. Hopefully you will be able to join us one of these days. days. Yeah. One of these days. You and the lady. That's right. (laughs) I'm sure she would love to go as well. So we're going to step into our first break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit. We're going to get a little techie and talk about the battery side of the world. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I'm going to bore you to tears. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) So, have you bought a new car battery lately? Or can you remember the last one? The last one that I bought was for my cruise, Mm -hmm. I believe. And that was probably... Four years ago, maybe three. Mm, okay. So back in the day, three or four years ago, batteries were, you know, moderately priced, I would say. The uh, last couple of years have kind of changed that a little bit. Oh, yeah? As well as I see this, like, trend. And I know it's kind of been this way, that if you ever run a car battery, like, down to nothing, they don't recharge quite the same. They're never as good as they once were. And so I have seen this here, like the last few years, battery prices are through the roof. I used to be able to get batteries for, you know, a pretty reasonable amount of money. 
um, that were pretty decent, good batteries. I really don't recommend buying the bottom of the barrel batteries because I see them, um, you know, leave folks quite often. They don't last near as long. I typically buy either the mid-grade or the high-grade, not because I want to spend more money, but I see a longevity difference in those batteries. And so here, kind of the reason that kind of bring this this story up, we have, um, you know, a lot of customers running various things, and I've noticed a trend to where the batteries really three to five years is about all they're lasting at this point. And some of these batteries are a few hundred bucks, pretty easy. God forbid you own a diesel and then you get to buy two. Mm. If you do have a diesel out there, you don't ever want to replace just one battery. They need to be done as pairs. And if you don't mind, I'll go down story, story lane for a minute. Had a dear friend, had a late model Dodge Cummins, 5.9, may have been a 6.7. And actually it was a 6.7. So when he bought the truck, there were two different batteries in this truck. And immediately I told him, I said, hey, you need to put two batteries in there as a pair. Well, you know, he said, sure, whatever, you know, I'll get to it. But before he got around to it, this had an aftermarket programmer or tuner on these diesel trucks. And most of those programs, some of them are on the fly and then some of them are you know, that you need to have the key on and the engine off to change the program. Well, that's hap- happened to be how this one was. And so in the midst of it, you know, he was changing the program, whether it was adding horsepower or going more to an economy tune, it put it in a, a situation where he was changing the tune and the batteries went dead, which is a real bad thing. And so he called me and I run over there and took a peek at it for him. And real quickly, I could figure out, the way they changed the tune is that they actually changed the VIN number in the powertrain control module. Well, in the powertrain control module, it changes, I think, the last six or the last eight characters. I don't I don't remember specifically, but it's one or the other. Instead of having characters, you know, ones or A, B, C, numbers or, uh, you know, alphabet there, it had these asterisk marks and just the little stars and it corrupted the file because the battery went dead in the midst of changing that programming. And of course he needed two batteries. So that was an expense, but he also got to buy a computer because there was no way to reset or relearn the software in there because it got corrupt during that battery failure. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, the batteries are, you know, say 200 and uh, anywhere from 170 up to 200 each. So there's three to 400 bucks right there. Plus, you got to buy a $2,000 powertrain control module. Now, you may be thinking, oh, that's a, you know, rare case. I'm not running a tuner. I'm not running a diesel, you know, yada, yada, yada. And and you're right. that That is a rare case. It does happen. Um, I've had General Motors products where the battery goes bad and then the dash cluster reads in a different language, whether it's French or Arabic. Um, some of them are really out there. The reason I'm bringing this up is back, say, I'm going to go anywhere from 10 to 15 years ago, the cars were pretty simple as far as electricity goes. They were a power on or a power off. 
not really a whole lot of duty cycle control, which is basically where they pulse power to it. You know, they send 12 volts to it for 50% of the time. That would be a 50% duty cycle control unit. And it runs those systems as as uh, high or low or at the frequency as it needs. The electrical demand on these cars that most of you out there are listening and driving and that are sitting in your driveway or sitting in your garage is way more than it has ever been in the past. So when I see people not be proactive about their starting and charging system and their batteries, it really takes its toll. I see it hurt other modules or other computers. I see it cause network issues. I see it obviously cause starting and charging system issues. And all of those issues add up pretty quickly versus just getting the battery checked and changed before it leaves you stranded, okay? And so with me and Stacy and the kids at our house, we have multiple vehicles. I am very probably proactive. I would rather replace a battery six months early than wait until it leaves one of us stuck somewhere and then have it cause other problems. And a lot of times the other problems are alternator failures or starter failures because the voltage and the amperage is not correct. And all that stems from is that battery and the connections to that battery. These bolt-on smash connectors that they sell as a universal deal at the big box parts stores do not do a good enough job making sure it transfers the electrical energy from the battery or back to the battery as you utilize that energy. And all of that costs you more money. That's the bottom line of this whole dialogue that I'm putting out there is that I'm watching people and we do a tremendous amount of battery testing and checking. Um, We do quite a bit. We go at it a lot different than your big box parts stores do as well with the equipment that we use and the training and the technician that's running that equipment. That's very important. So most folks run their battery until it leaves them stuck, and then they throw a battery at it. And that has worked and been a fine process for years. There really didn't have a lot of collateral damage, if you will, doing it that way. What I'm seeing now is because they have changed the technology, the vehicles are way more capable than what they are were before as well, and this is just kind of a caveat, how you change the battery is significantly different as well. There are procedures so you don't lose a lot of your stored information. You know, Hondas for years, if you unhook the battery or run it dead, it would lock the radio out. So that's been kind of a pain in the butt more than it has been anything. But now you're losing idle learn, you're losing transmission shift adaptives, you're losing lane departure information, you're losing automatic doors if you got a van. There is a whole host of things that happen when it actually loses all of its electronic uh, charge that never used to be a problem before. And so now if I can be proactive and replace a battery with the right equipment that has a memory saving function or do it in a safe manner that I don't have to pull power all the way from the vehicle all at once and do a nice controlled uh, battery swap and then relearn the car and say, hey, we put a new battery in this so the adaptive charging system does not cook the new battery. 
I realize I'm getting a little bit nerdy here, but the the long story is, is this is what I'm seeing with the industry and nobody is really talking or training or teaching the general public about it. So when you come in thinking, oh, I'm going to put a battery in, maybe it's a couple hundred bucks. Um, hopefully you don't have anything else going on, but more often than not, I'm seeing it to where it's killed the alternator. It's killed the starter. Um, it's lost its lane departure or uh, lane keep assist function. And that is all time consuming with additional equipment that I have to relearn. And I would love to be uh, not for profit and do a pro bono automotive repair. But unfortunately that's not where we're at. This equipment that, a1 Custom keeps current and keeps on the cutting edge of the automotive industry, really to the point that I don't know any other shops that are investing in the ADOS or the Advanced Driver Assist, which if you have that, you'll have the Lane Keep Assist, the Blind Spot Monitoring, Adapt Cruise Control, Adaptive Braking, your Backup Monitoring, all that stuff. That's all new equipment that A1 is investing in to make sure that we can still take care of your vehicle and give you another option other than always going back to the dealer. Now, I know quite a few dealer techs out there. There are some excellent dealer techs out there, and there are some excellent dealers out there. But I will impress this part of it as well, is not every dealership is created equal. Not every independent aftermarket repair facility is created equal. So if you have a good relationship with whoever's taking care of your car, keep and protect and continue to work on that relationship. If you haven't, keep looking and find a place that can take care of you from bumper to bumper, basically. So Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back after this. Through complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. Right. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin. Sarah, you got a battery. You're going to get in on this battery discussion. Yeah. So speaking of batteries, Ford has suspended production of the F-150 dun, Lightning dun, dun. after the battery in one of the electric pickups caught fire on February 4th. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, so the automaker announced that it had stopped building and shipping the full-size truck due to potential battery issues that occurred during the pre-delivery quality inspection. And later they clarified that a fire was involved. Now, the fire occurred in a company lot in Dearborn, Michigan, where the truck was being held for shipping. Mm. Uh, and then the fire spread to another oh, nearby man. truck. So Ford delivered. I found this kind of interesting. Ford delivered over 15,000 F-150 Lightnings to customers in 2022 and an additional uh, 2,200 in January. It did not say exactly how many were potentially affected by mm. battery issues. Okay. So. so, Sarah, I'm going to get uh, my soapbox out here. I am very disappointed in Ford Motor Company for the development and the way they're going at this Ford Lightning yeah. all-electric EV. I'm a huge Ford fan. Big F-150 fan. I've owned a ton of them out there. Um, I just really think this was kind of a political stunt, if you will, or maybe a political move or somebody's pushing them in that manner. They have over 200,000 on order. People have put deposits down mm -hmm. for delivery of those. And you and I have talked many times about buying the first generation of anything, which that is. It is you are the guinea pig. And I don't know what that thing costs. I'm going to guess 80 plus grand, 100 grand, whatever it is. And you're buying a, a science project at this point, as well as the 200 
thousand that they have on order, and that was the last number that I heard. It may have changed. They do not have the materials to build those two hundred thousand that they put deposits in on, and probably are not going to have them for a long time. Not to mention those Ford Lightning EVs that they, uh, you know, are touting as such a green energy vehicle. Uh, catching fire and burning is definitely not going to be good for the environment. We mm-hmm. see what's going on in uh, Ohio right now with the train situation, as well as they don't do what I think is the best thing that a Toyota or Ford or Chevy, a truck does, is haul and tow well. Uh, there's some information out there of folks that have bought them and towed a moderately sized camper and they can go like 80 miles before they have to recharge it. That's unbelievable. Can you imagine having to go 80 miles and recharge? It would take forever to get anywhere. I wish I would have printed this story, but I read a story this weekend about a couple who was just having a nightmare uh, planning like a 150-mile trip mm-hmm. because they had to plan out exactly what gas station they were going yep. to stop at so that they could have a charge. Mm-hmm. And they had to actually like plan like specific towns out of their way oh wow yeah i wish i would have printed it out i was like goodness i couldn't imagine being tied down to something like that yeah i mean if life is not busy and hectic enough for everybody out there uh case nobody's noticed it's continuing to get busier at least from my seat of pants here and um i don't want any extra stuff like i'm down to the point that i have so much packed into most days that if I have to stop and fuel, I literally know the fuel stations that I can fuel at the quickest mm-hmm. on the side of the road in the direction that I am traveling in instead of having to cross <laughs> directions. <laughs> and I, like me? I realize I'm getting, you know, a little like extreme on that. But, you know, with all the irons that we all have in the fire and I'm, I do not pretend to be the busiest person that I know. There's other people out there, you know, hustling it just to the max. But time is money, and I do not have time that every 80 to 90 miles I need to sit and charge my truck before I can continue on what I'm doing. That just, <clears throat> not to mention, if I paid eighty or $100,000 for this truck, I expect it to work for me. I need it to, to, to help me get things done, not the other way around where I'm planning my life around, you know, how I can drive out of the way in order to charge my truck or car or whatever. You can fill in the blank. It just it really boggles the mind that 200,000 people put an order in to pre-order those trucks. Yeah, I just don't get it. Um, as well as they're catching fire, the technology and I. Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we've been talking about the technology of batteries here for a few years. Yeah. That it's just not there yet. Can it do some crazy things? The torque of an electric vehicle is amazing. The versatility of it, that you can run a power inverter and some of those lightnings. They have a 220 output receptacle in the bed of the truck, which is pretty cool. You know, I mean, you could run you know, figuratively, some of your home in a power outage off of some of the more the hybrid vehicles, but, you know, that it has that much output. That's a pretty amazing thing. So there's some great uh, aspects of that truck, I guess, is what I'm trying to come up with. 
But the downside of it, it's just not there yet. And I would be sorely disappointed if I so choose to buy, to have bought one of those, um, which I'm absolutely not. I've got zero interest in that because I know that I'm buying a problem. And the longevity of that vehicle, you look at used hybrids or used EV vehicles, after about seven or eight years, they're almost free. I don't want to say they're exactly free, but... The reason they're so cheap is because getting them or keeping them back to a usable um, manner is just, it's its so expensive because the technology is struggling. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the batteries are more to replace than mm-hmm. the actual vehicle's worth. I think you had a story, and, and correct me if I'm remembering this incorrectly, but there was a lady that had like a GM, uh, I think it was an EV vehicle, may have been a hybrid, in Alaska. Oh, uh-huh. And wasn't it like she had a bad battery and it was going to be like years before yes. she could get a battery mm-hmm. replacement? A, she was very rural mm-hmm. in Alaska. There wasn't a dealer for like a, an absurd amount of mileage. Uh, I just don't know that that's the right vehicle for that climate. I've never been to Alaska, so uh, I'm not making any judgments there. But if it were me, I would definitely go with an internal combustion engine in Alaska. A, there's more people to work on it. You know, you don't have to find a specific trained and tooled and equipped uh, service facility, dealer or non-dealer, that can take care of it. Um, But if you'd spent that kind of money, which those little bolts, I think, are like 24 to 30,000, say, and I think the replacement cost of that battery, let alone the wait time, was just a crazy, absurd time. I would be pretty upset if I was that consumer. I don't blame them. Um, switching gears. Okay. All right. You have, we have a listener question. Okay. What do you got? How significant a difference is there in synthetic oils brand wise? So I'm going to nerd out a little bit again here, but so Royal Purple, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the very first ones that developed a actual true synthetic oil. Now, a lot of the other companies out there jumped on the bandwagon and called themselves synthetic oil, but they were actually just a very highly refined crude oil. And so there were some lawsuits back in the day. And in the beginning, Royal Purple was one of the leaders or the first ones to the market. I'm sure Amsoil got there pretty quick with a true full synthetic oil. Now, these other ones called themselves full synthetic, but they actually just refined crude oil, which long story short, there are many other differences between the two. But the biggest difference is that the oil molecules are more uniform or consistent in synthetic oil. That's really the big magic behind that. Now, there's some ad packs, which if you guys want to hear about them, I can talk about that. But just to keep it to the synthetic discussion right now, The old crude oil, and I've taken apart a lot of, you know, engines that have run just base conventional oil, and certain ones had a reputation for building a lot of wax or buildup inside the engine to the point where I would pull, you know, valve covers or internal engine components apart, and there would just be this tremendous amount of buildup on everything which is not good on the engine. It's actually very hard on the engine. Um, And God forbid that happens. You don't want to loosen all that material too quickly. We do have some procedures that we can deal with that. 
but you don't want to loosen it too quickly to gum up or clog up your oiling system. I've seen that happen where people put too harsh of chemicals and big chunks of it break off. You need to dissolve it in a very slow, controlled manner and change out your oil filters much more prematurely than you normally would. But I've had it to where so much of that wax buildup uh, develops or deposits itself that the oil drain holes or where the oil returned back to the lower part of the engine were actually completely full. And I had to take a steel rod and open those back up or break those deposits off so the oil would drain back to the lower part of the engine instead of building just into the upper part of the engine and not making it back down to the oil pump. So as the oil changed, they've obviously gone to a much thinner oil. They are much more common um, standards for full synthetic. Um, the blends really, I don't know, the blends have kind of gone by the wayside. For the most part, they're still out there, but it could be a drop of synthetic in there to be called a blend. So um, as far as the standards of synthetic, most of them out there are really good Make sure you're getting the right viscosity and you'll be in good shape. Stick with whatever oil you're using. Don't be jumping around too much and you'll be just fine. But I'm a big fan and run full synthetic in 99% of my vehicles out there. But we're up against another break. Sarah and I will be right back after this. Through complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, we got just a little time. This is Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, what is our, I guess, if if you had to sum it up, what do you think this show is about? I realize it's cars, but hopefully it's kind of a, my mindset is to try and help educate folks. Yeah, it's in very the educational. World. Yeah, and I... <sighs> I don't want to always be like the the car preacher. I've, I've had people tell me that. That it's like, oh, you know, it's gloom and doom and blah, blah, blah if you don't take care of your car. I, you know, I don't want to say that, you know, I just hate having those conversations where if the knowledge was there previously, they wouldn't have had the catastrophic failure. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. Right now is actually a good time to do some of those little preventative maintenance yes. things because we're going to be moving into spring. Oh, I am so, so Me ready too. for spring. I think we're in full spring right now. You think? Yeah, because you know Missouri has like 12 mm-hmm. different seasons. Yep. So We're going to have that boomerang back into winter. I think we might, but yes. who knows? Maybe fingers crossed that it, we're going to just slowly move into spring. I can't wait. So if we're going to do, do you have any plans for your like spring uh, kind of checklist to Things you're going to do car-wise, not car-wise, kind of ready to get outside and start getting some work done? Yes. So I have tons of stuff that I actually need to do with my car because I have not had my car in spring yet. Mm, That's right. This is going to be your first year. Yep. So there's tons of things that I need to just, you know, have checked Mm -hmm. on, uh, just make sure that it's running in tip-top shape. I think it is, but then, of course... um, you guys are the professionals, so I'm going to have you check all of my sure. fluids, all of that stuff, make sure that everything is the way that it should be. But I am also going to need new windshield wipers mm-hmm. as well. Every time it rains, yes. I think to myself, oh, I've got to get new windshield yes. wipers. And then I forget, yep. and then it rains again. 
I do the same thing. It's like, as it's raining, it's top of mind. I know. And then the moment that it's not raining anymore, I completely forget about it until the next time. Yeah. Somebody uh, called me the last time it was raining. It was Nick, actually. He called me on my way home. And my phone, it connects through the speakers mm-hmm. of my car, so yep. I'm hands-free while I'm driving. Yeah. And he said, hey, what are you... You have got to get new wipers. Uh, and I was like, them, I'm huh? like, you can hear those? He's like, yeah, they're really bad. So then I just turned them down on low. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was it was kind of embarrassing. Well, so. you're not the only one. It I happens know. to all of us. So I, I am bad that. about using my wipers to get rid of the frost and the uh, winterness. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard on the wipers. But I, have I still do it. a carport now, so uh, I don't have to worry about that. Now, the husband fortunate. does, though. Yeah, so. you're very fortunate. We have a garage, but there's so much garbage in it. Not <laughs> literal garbage, just stuff. I call it garbage because every time I look at it, I'm like, gosh, why do we have so much stuff? That's how ours is, too. It's like, oh, I we need just- to... We're, we're going to take some time off, Stacy and I, and we're going to do some serious cleaning and organization. I got on this kick of I bought some filing cabinets, like some old ones, uh-huh. and that's what I'm going to organize my garage there with is a lot of the filing cabinets. Uh, side story real quick. I realize everybody loves my story time. So I was on Facebook Marketplace. Now I think Facebook is the Antichrist, but I digress. Their Marketplace is wonderful for most things. And most of these filing cabinets were like 50 to $70 each. But you know how I like my auctions, right? Mm-hmm. So I got on this auction and I bought 100 filing cabinets. But I got them for a dollar each. But I had to buy them all. <laughs> So I have been selling them on my spare time and keeping the good ones. And that's what I'm going to organize my garage with, with dollar filing cabinets. Oh, there you go. You know, it's it's a little crazy, a little extreme. But if you got an extra filing cabinet uh, or if you're in need one, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is not a sales. Please do not call the radio station trying to buy filing cabinets. But being organized is one of my goals is to get better and i won't say i'm a disorganized person if you open like my toolbox drawers or whatever Mm -hmm. they're very organized but in life in general i think the more organized you can get the better off you are to find the stuff you need as well as to get rid of the stuff you don't well if you need help let me know because i am an organized freak are you really that's your jam huh it really is yeah i helped organize our garage and the husband he he wasn't going to have me come out there and help, but uh-huh. finally he was defeated and he asked for my help and we got it cleaned within like an hour. So Stacy and I have had that same discussion mm-hmm. and I'm afraid that as she organizes stuff, I won't be able to find it, but I had a realization that I can't find it now. <laughs> So, you know, what would be the worst thing to happen that it got organized and I would actually be able to find it? Or a lot of times I can go to Stacey and say, hey, what about this thing? And she knows exactly where it is. And I, you know, I just my mind doesn't work that way. I'm more like, oh, you know, uh, what is the old saying? A weak mind and a strong back, I guess, is kind of where I'm where I'm at. So what's your I I see you got a list over there. I do. So I printed this out a couple weeks ago and it was from I think it was triple A, but they 
uh, every season they do like a, a checkup list for your car. And this is springtime. So I thought, hey, why don't yeah. we talk about it? So sure. a couple of things that they suggest is first do some DIY detailing. Mm-hmm. You know, first hose down the exterior spring underneath your car into the wheel wells, getting as much of that dirt and salt off yes. as you can. And then once you're done with the exterior, do the interior as well, because your car can erode from the inside mm-hmm. out and you're bringing all of that stuff in with your winter boots. You're tracking that gunk inside. Yep. Plus, it'll make you feel better because oh, your car yeah. is clean. Uh, of course, inspect your wiper blades. Talked about that. Mm-hmm. I need to do that. Top off fluids. So check your engine oil, your brake fluid, your transmission, power steering, and engine coolant levels. Now, whenever somebody comes in for a oil change, mm-hmm. do you check all of those fluids? Yes, we do. Okay. So we have a fluid tray. A lot of times we'll take samples or we have some electronic equipment that I can test some of those fluids, mainly the brake fluid for moisture content. To make sure that it's in good shape or needs service, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, a lot of folks just kind of think that the only thing they need to change or service is their engine oil. Mm. And so folks are getting better about that, in my opinion, or doing a good job about that. But they neglect a lot of the rest of those fluids until one of those systems has a failed part. More often than not, due to bad fluid or degraded fluid, if you will. And then they inevitably get a fluid exchange or service with the repair because the part has been damaged. My mindset and my experience has shown me that if I will service the fluid, I typically don't have a lot of failures. It's, excuse me, amazing how long some of these systems will last if you'll just change the fluid in it. Um, And I'm not just talking about my vehicles. I talk about those quite often, but... You know, if you have a fleet or a vehicle that you're planning on keeping for a long time, it's significantly cheaper, less headache, less breakdowns and failures just to service those fluids under the normal factory intervals, which very few people follow. And I see the difference. I mean, I see two, three, four hundred thousand miles without having to open up the engine, without having to replace or open up the transmission, differential, power steering system. It's just absolutely a night and day difference when I have somebody that does it on the proactive side versus the reactive and says, hey, you know, surprise, you've got a $10,000 bill against you. That's always a lot harder discussion, which is why we try and make this show educational, if you will. You know, and if you don't like or don't feel that way, that's fine. If you think all the snake oil and and, uh, services are, are BS, that's okay. I'm not forcing them down, but... A lot of times I see it on the other side where I have this conversation that, hey, this big part's broke. It's this amount of money. And they're like, well, why did it break? And it's because the system wasn't maintained. And that's a bad spot to be in. And they're like, well, if I would have known that, I would have done it. And I get that. But I don't want you to have to learn that lesson the hard way by paying for it. Yeah. Speaking of things to definitely check, freshen up your filters Mm -hmm. as well. Big time. Yep. Now, this doesn't really pertain to us, but I'll read it anyway. Swap out snow tires and check your all-weather tires. But something that does pertain to us is check your tire pressure Mm -hmm. and check out that spare tire. Make sure that that is in tip-top shape in case you ever need it. Battery talk. Boost your battery. Mm -hmm. Something they suggest. Take your car out for a diagnostic spin. So check out your brakes, your brake pads, your rotors. Check your shock absorbers. Check your car's alignment and finally even though it doesn't feel like it but the hot weather will be here before you know it so make sure to test your ac so those are the tips from AAA. 
I think they did a good job putting those together. I think that's all highlight. We do a tremendous amount of AC work, especially in the beginning of the season. It'll slack off just a little bit, you know, as we get through kind of the, you know, the mid and then like end of July and August when it gets super duper warm, Mm -hmm. then we get a big influx and everybody's like, look, I got to have my AC. And I don't blame them. You know, obviously our shops are not air conditioned. So after I've worked in the shop all day long, I really enjoy getting into my truck, the AC working good. And being able to kind of mellow and cool down and decompress after all the busyness that we do throughout the day. So as well as I don't want to show up and meet somebody if I've been just sweating to the oldies while I'm driving. So just throwing that out <laughs> Haven't there, heard everybody. that in a while, sweating to the oldies. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, believe it or not, but we are officially out of show. So if you're out there in radio land, you have a question or a comment, you can text us on that text line. The phone number is 417 447 5743, or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You too. Be safe out there. Bye.